Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, greetings and hello. It is I, your favorite obscure social studies teacher, with just enough expertise to make things interesting, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the Professor Liberty Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate it. I appreciate anyone and everyone who takes time out of their busy day to turn in, tune into this show. It is a great honor, uh, and I think about it all the time, and I want to make sure uh, you get a good show, not just uh, some weirdo rambling, which might happen anyway. If you'd like to email the show, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. That's Professor Liberty, 1776 at gmail.com. Please send me your questions, your thoughts, your ideas, your dreams, your fantasies, your criticisms, critiques, whatever. Send them to Professor Liberty, 1776 at gmail.com. I even had people send me memes before, so let's add that to the list. You know, anything can spark inspiration for an episode. Inspiration comes in weird ways, doesn't it? For me, it's either when I'm in the shower or when I'm lying awake in bed at two in the morning. Seriously, I'm not kidding. I need to keep a notebook in both locations. Do they have like a waterproof notebook? I have my deepest, most profound thoughts in those two locations. I also have random songs in my head when I wake up in the morning. Does, it, does that happen to anyone else? Now, when I say random, I mean random. Songs that I might not have heard for years just pop into my head. Now, I know some of you guys have a radio alarm clock that, you know, the radio turns on when it's time to get up. No, we just have this annoying little beeping. Well, it's not so annoying, but it's annoying enough to wake you up. And then I have a song of the day. As of the writing of this episode, it was... Randy Travis's hit song, I'm Gonna Love You Forever. The day before that, it was My Last Name by Dirks Bentley. So clearly there's a country theme going on. But it could be anything. Last time, I remember, it was Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. That was a few weeks ago. So welcome to Mr. Palumbo's Jukebox, where you never know what will spit out at any given morning. Anyways, on to the show. So we're going to pick back up on our Bill of Rights series where we've been discussing the First Amendment and we've been uh, discussing the rights and freedoms protected within it. And we left off with the freedom of the press. And so today we're going to discuss the right to peacefully assemble and petition, uh, which is going to probably go off on a couple other tangents, property rights and things like that. But let's dive right in. As always, we begin with a reading of the First Amendment, found in the Bill of Rights of the U.S. Constitution. And it reads, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, or prohibiting the spree exercise thereof, or abridging freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Unquote. You know, in today's America, we don't really use the word petition, which kind of just means to formally ask for something, to request something. And so for the purposes of this episode, and based on uh, readings from the Supreme Court on this amendment, we're going to talk mostly about protesting. 
which is something everyone is familiar with, especially if you lived through 2020. What is protesting? Well, protesting is speaking your mind, sharing your discontent regarding your elected leaders. They're either doing something or not doing enough or doing something wrong. There's things like pro-choice rallies and pro-life rallies. There are environmentalist protests seeking banning meat and toilet paper. There's women marches as well as a march for life. There's political rallies like the Trump MAGA rally. And there's Biden rally. Oh, never mind. He doesn't have those. 81 million votes. And he can't get anybody to stop by to hear him speak. Interesting. In 2008 and 2009, there was the protest on Wall Street, decrying the evil banks. In 2010, there was the famous or infamous Tea Party rallies in Washington, D.C. All of these are different variations of petitioning or protesting or expressing one's free speech rights, particularly towards the government. America has a long tradition of this type of political activity. The Heritage Foundation, in its Guide to the Constitution, which I recommend to anybody as their go-to guide, writes, Petitioning naturally spread across the American colonies. In 1641, the Massachusetts Body of Liberties became the first political charter to provide explicit protection for the right to petition. By the time of the American Revolution, five other colonies, Delaware, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Vermont, had followed suit. The remaining colonies recognized these rights informally. Throughout British North North America, petitioning was an important way for individuals to express their views on local governing bodies, especially colonial assemblies. The assemblies, following English tradition, treated petitions seriously and often referred to them to the committees for further action. Petitions were always granted, but they were not always answered. Unquote. Sorry if I'm fumbling through this reading, boys and girls. I had a little congestion going on the past couple weeks, but don't worry, it is not COVID. It's important to remember that like I said earlier, there is a distinction between petitioning and protesting. But the two have kind of merged into the modern era. Petitioning used to be asking Congress or the governor or whomever is in charge to address something. In the modern era, this activity of petitioning has given way to more general free speech activities like protesting or activism. That last sentence is very important. We as Americans have a right to voice our opinions and petition the government for change. But we, that doesn't mean that those in charge are going to listen. There's no guarantee that the government has to, in fact, heed our demands. We do have this entitlement mentality that breeds into nearly every aspect of modern American life. Everyone just expects their demands to be met. Clearly, this is an immature way of looking at things whether we're talking about the freedom to assemble or just life in general. Now, that's not to say people should give up. Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, change takes time and consistent effort. Look at the abolition movement that, you know, we could make a, an argument that the abolition movement started when America started, and it took almost 100 years, and it took a civil war for slavery to come to an end. 
But in between those times, there was a lot of protesting and petitioning the government to erase this clear evil. Look at the women's suffrage movement, which also took decades before the 19th Amendment passed, giving women the right to vote. Look at civil rights. Look at the pro-life movement. Change comes, but it often comes very slowly and almost when you least expect it. But we have to differentiate between the concept of protesting and rioting. Because in our divided political culture, that seems to be a bit more convoluted than it used to be. And there's a key distinction It really just comes down to violence and destruction of property. A protest is legal. If a protest becomes a riot, which is illegal, that's because destruction of life and property has occurred. To say it another way, the difference between peaceful protest and riot is namely destruction. According to findlaw.com, quote, most states have their own laws that define what constitutes a riot and incitement to riot. Federal law defines a riot as public disturbance involving three or more people engaging in violence with a clear and present danger of damage to property or injury to people, unquote. Now, having said this, I'm quite certain that the colonial protests that happened up to the uh, American Revolution would probably fall under the riot category. In many cases during the years leading up to the war, colonists would drag British officials into the street, strip them naked, and tar and feather them. Now, this tar and feathering wasn't what you'd see on, like, Looney Tunes or something. No, this was a painful and sometimes deadly procedure. Also, let's look at the Boston Tea Party. Was that a peaceful protest? No. The Patriots destroyed over 40 tons of tea valued over a million dollars in today's money. Now, we could go into why the tea was destroyed, but that would be too long of a podcast. My main point here is that there's a difference between peaceful protests, which you have a right to as an American, and violent riots which you do not have a right. No matter how poor you are, no matter how racist somebody is being to you, no matter how, li- how hard your life has been, you do not have a right to a riot. You do not have a right to destroy somebody's property or take somebody's life, especially as means of some kind of political statement. All those riots in 2020 were just that, riots. Billions of dollars of property destroyed, people hurt or killed. And here's the thing. Governments don't have to let you do that. Like I just said, there's no constitutional right to violence, especially if you're trying to make a political statement. As soon as groups decide to break windows, steal property, assault people, they forfeit their right to peaceful protest and the government can shut it down forcefully. As America, we have the right to voice our displeasure with the president's actions. But as soon as you jump the fence to the White House, you become a trespasser, not a protester, not an activist. If you're a militant vegan and PETA member, you can wave signs outside fast food restaurants and grocery stores. But as soon as you pour fake blood on somebody for buying ground beef for their family, you become an assailant. You're not a courageous defender of animals. You are now 
well, frankly, you're a criminal. And while we're on the issue, I'd like to add that the January 6th riot was just that, a riot. No, it wasn't an insurrection like the Democrats are desperately trying to convince people. An insurrection is an armed revolt against an existing government in an attempt to take it over. So again, the American Revolution, according to the British authorities, was an insurrection. January 6th was a protest that turned into a riot. Why? Because they destroyed property and used force. They trespassed. We can discuss the rest of this on the podcast. Things like why weren't the barriers in a sufficient enough area to contain the protest? Why were they allowed to get so close to the Capitol building? But regardless, it was perfectly fine as a protest until they began to use force, destruction, and violence. And then it became a riot upon which each one of them could be prosecuted. And we can see that the media has a narrative. The, the January 6th riots was a armed insurrection with Buffalo Man, painted Buffalo Man, and a bunch of old baby boomers uh, carting the lectern out of the hallway. That was a violent insurrection. The guy sitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk with his feet up, violent insurrection. But the 2020 riots all across America where cars were overturned, police cars were destroyed, businesses were destroyed, federal buildings were uh, uh, vandalized, uh, cop, it wasn't there that, what was the one in Seattle, that police station was, <laughs> was, was uh, lit on fire. That wasn't a riot, that was a peaceful protest. So obviously I'm being sarcastic. Those of us who are intelligent enough and have enough integrity know that both are riots. They're both riots, whether conservative groups do it or liberal groups do it. As soon as you use force and violence and assault and you you destroy property, you are no longer a protester. You are now a rioter. I do want to mention Um, this connection with private property in general. There seems to be a sharp decline in respect for private property among America's elites as of late. I don't know what started it. I don't know if it's all the communism that all these kids are learning in school, which, according to Marx and Engels, you can sum up communism in one sentence, the abolition of private property. Didn't make that up. Google it. It'll take you three seconds. I'm just quoting from the horse's mouth. But anyway, there's this, there's this decline in the respect for private property. And I don't know if it's like this great reset where they're trying to get rid of private property. You know, one of the main arguments against, the written, against uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was he had no right to bring a gun to protect property. And many liberal cities were seeing, uh, you know, these DAs letting people shoplift. Just go into the store and shoplift because it's just stuff. There's more and more stories coming out of burglars being shot and sometimes dying. And then the homeowners being prosecuted because why are you shooting this man? He's just coming in to steal your stuff. I don't know if you guys remember, but this was around the same time that St. Louis couple. uh, They were in the rich part of town and this this faceless mob broke down their gates and was going to go into their mansion and and steal their stuff because and it's not fair because they're white people and they're not supposed to be rich. 
especially since they got their wealth off the backs of black people, because that's what I learned in my cultural Marxist class in college. Anyway, if you guys remember the story, they came out with guns. They met this mob with guns. The guy had an AR-15, and the the wife is funny because she's barely holding the gun. I think she's got a cigarette and a gun. I don't know. The, the, the image is funny. But they came and they exercised what we call their Second Amendment rights, which is the right to self-defense. And guess what? That mob cursed them and called them names and yelled at them. But guess what? Because a gun was pointed in their face, they went away. And the property wasn't damaged, other than probably that gate that they had to fix. And guess what happened? The the DA in St. Louis sent the authorities after the people with the guns. So they the people with the guns got prosecuted or harassed or whatever, and he didn't even fire. So what were they supposed to do? Let the angry mob go into the mansion and just steal whatever they want? Yes. That's what they were supposed to do because it's just property. So for whatever reason, there seems to be blurring lines regarding what's legally permissible as far as protesting and what is a riot. And with everything else, it seems to be influenced by politics. But regardless of what's going on today, the original intention of this portion of the First Amendment was to allow citizens the ability to petition the government for change or for some specific action. You know, if you want to protest nuclear war, you can. If you want to voice your concern over the government's involvement in the Middle East, you can. If you want to influence the government to stop over-incarcerating people for drug crimes, you can. But as soon as you destroy, or steal, or hurt someone else, you become a rioter. And you don't have the right to do that. And the government can stop it forcibly. Which makes you wonder why the government didn't stop all those riots in 2020. I remember President Trump telling these governors to take action, clean the streets. One of the foundational purposes of government is to protect people and property. So why didn't they? It makes you wonder. It makes you go, hmm... It was an election year, but just remember, just because you have a conviction on something and you use your voice to petition, it also doesn't mean your desires will always be met. And I know we live in this fantasy world where everybody's preference and everybody's so-called made-up reality and pronouns and everything, everything has to be affirmed. Everything has to be granted. But you have the right to petition in the Constitution. You don't have a right or guarantee to have all your wildest dreams come true. That only happens in fairy tales. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating. We rolled out the brand new website, www.professorliberty.com. Check it out. We're going to have lessons on there. We're going to have apparel. We're we're rolling it out, but it takes a long time because of taxes and regulations and the good old free market that we're supposed to have. But anyway, check it out. You can also follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Parlor and Pinterest. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty.